Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. someone you love been a victim of a crime that's still unsolved? Crime Curious has teamed up with one of the top private investigation services in the Indiana and surrounding area. If you have listened to us long enough, you know that we do not seek out services or products that are meaningless to us or hold no real value. So you can trust us when we say that Corbett Investigations comes with decades of experience you won't find anyplace else. Corbett Investigations is run by a former homicide commander of one of the country's most successful homicide units, has put over 400 people in prison for homicide, handled over 1,100 death investigations, and solved 33 cold case murders. To be real with you, Mr. Corbett had a really difficult time telling us what we should highlight in this segment because he does not like to sound like he's bragging. Solving crimes has been his life's passion, and he has never done it for the accolades or recognition. He has a whole team behind his services that help him be so successful, as they specialize in things like blood stain analysis, ballistics, crime scene reconstruction, and forensic pathology, just to name a few. When you contact Corbett Investigations, you talk directly with Tim Corbett. He is hands-on with every case and can travel anywhere that's needed to get the job done. Corbett Investigations prides itself on honesty, truth, feet-to-the-ground, real investigation work, and the strength to stand up to whatever is in the way of solving the crime. Corbett Investigations specializes in complex homicide cases, sex offenses, and criminal investigations that are old and new. Tim and his team have a reputation for finding witnesses and information that others could not. Although we hope none of our listeners ever need private investigation services, if you do, we recommend contacting Corbett Investigations and mention this segment on Crime Curious for a free consultation. Contact Tim Corbett today at 574-229-8115. You can also check them out on Facebook at Corbett Investigative Services, Inc. Or their email, tim at tcorbett.org. That's T-I-M at T-C-O-R-B-E-T-T dot org. Thanks for listening and now on to the show. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. I'm Megan. We're shaking our grigri. All of it. It's shooketh. For good luck here. Uh, before we get started, Megan, I want to give listeners Jen and Kennedy a little shout out. They are local listeners. I went out to dinner at a new establishment that just opened in our area. Yes. And I've been meaning to go there. It was lovely. I highly recommend it. But um, they approached me and with the help, and this is going to surprise you, of Husband Matt. Really? Husband Matt brought them over because and they said, listened. And said, here's some fans. And said it. They listen and they love the podcast. And they're like, well, we don't want to bother you. I'm like, Why thank not? you so much for telling me you love the podcast. I'm here to sign autographs. <laughs> <laughs> I was not like that. Yes. But 
And I do not have um, permission to share her name, but I also just wanted to throw out there, I don't know if you've been in our private chats that we have today, even this is, nope, though it's today. for our general mm-hmm. audience, but um, B, who has uh, sent us a number of requests and stuff, went through mm-hmm. a major medical issue over the weekend and is still recovering from that, and so I wanted to send her our thoughts and prayers and all of, like all the good juju and oh, spirit stuff. Oh, thank you, so. because I haven't been able to, ch- to check that today. It's I'll inform you after. Okay, so, very busy yeah. work day. Yes, thoughts and prayers with you then. Um, and yeah, just, you know, if you see us out and about, I do love Come hearing. Come say hi. And yes. I love it when people say that they like our work. It I know you're going to so find much. this hard to believe, but with what I do, when people approach me to say <laughs> things like that, it's a lot better than the usual reasons that I get approached. For real. <laughs> For exactly. Real. That's For why real. I like this one. I know. Yes. Oh, I know you. You took my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a way different uh, it sure warm is. feeling. But I also just loved that, you know, husband Matt doesn't listen, right. but he still supports us in his own way. That sure was sweet. Does. That was sweet. So I'm going to tell you about a case today that is a pretty good example of, um, I don't know, when obsession goes wrong in all the all the ways it could go wrong. Okay. Yeah. We have um, a narcissistic, obsessed abuser case for you today. And it's actually, it took place in Tampa, Florida in 1983. Okay. Good year. Good year. Was it a good year? <laughs> it was. It's it was vin- for me. It's a vintage Florida Came year. Came out of my mom's vagina that year. Excellent. Uh, and why do my children for always walk in when I'm saying perverted things? Right. Hi, I son. <laughs> <laughs> it is just my luck. I'm going to leave that in, too. You guys should know that we're just two real-life gals here. Talking indep- about vagina. Yeah, independently producing our own podcast. <laughs> so here we are. Um, this case isn't one where I can give you a lot of details on the individuals who are involved on their life before the crime. It's just not readily available. But I feel, Megan, that a lot of times we are here to give a voice to those who can't speak for themselves anymore and just remember that they existed even without all the childhood details and the deep dive that we are typically known for. Um, So I don't think that we should shy away from covering those. Yeah, covering the cases that that maybe aren't going to be as in-depth. But I want to start with George O'Neill of Tampa, Florida. George was a hardworking man, man, and he falls in love with a woman named Martha Leathers. Now, Martha and, and George end up being in a long-term committed relationship, but they didn't ever marry. I see a lot okay? of those. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, they have five beautiful children together. Okay. He was like, but I just don't want to be tied down for the long run. Yeah, yeah. These five kids, that's totally fine. These five kids are so easy to not keep me attached to you, but a ring, my Mm -mm. God, woman. The government. They can't get involved with documents. We are married in our heart. Yep. So as with all relationships, there were ups and downs. And for a little while, Martha, they separate and even though they were still co-parenting very well, Martha started dating another man very briefly named Henry Lee Marshall. Okay? It, it, only, it only lasted a couple of months, both for her to realize that Henry Lee Marshall is not a good dude, and also for her to and George to have some separation, some time to get their um, affairs in order, work things out. Or see if they want to work them out. Yes, and they do. And so they make up, they recommit to one another. Uh, Now, I don't have details. I don't know if George was seeing somebody else in that time or not. 
Well, they're not legally married. And even though they were operating as a family unit, Mm -hmm. there was nothing to stop her from moving on if she needed to. And she looks like she tried. She tried. Yep. In that, in that time of struggle. Um, but the point is they make up and like I said, they recommit to one another. They don't get married, but they are a family unit again. And Henry Lee Marshall, as any man with three first names, does <laughs> not take this news very well. Just kidding. I'm sure most of you aren't killers. A, a lot of you are, though. I have to. Right, a I lot of you admit, are. A, a lot, lot of, you, of are. you are. It's a little bit of a red flag when a man introduces himself and goes by three first names. You immediately, it goes off the alarm in your brain, and you're like, can you talk to me about your last few relationships? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It actually came up at work the other day, and I was like, yeah, I've got you pegged. I know. <laughs> right. I know, I know who, who you, are. you are, buddy. No. <laughs> so anyway, um, he doesn't take this news. Henry Lee, A, not the type of man that w- likes to be turned down. Okay. But he also doesn't like to be turned down for another man. Yeah. All right. There's a jealousy piece. There is. So he's very jealous. He's very abusive and possessive, which is why he and Martha are no longer together. And despite Martha making it abundantly clear that she and George were committed to one another and that she had no interest in Henry Lee Marshall, and I would think that the five kids would have given it away. Maybe. But I guess Henry didn't get the message because he refused to leave the couple alone. All right. So he is continuing to try to get her to come back to him, even though she's clearly back with her uh, significant other. Correct. Correct. And I actually happened to stumble across a, uh, oh, on what TV, I think it's the ID channel did a, they do a series or did, it's no longer on anymore called I Almost Got Away With It. You might have seen it when you're scrolling through cable and whatnot. Yes. They did a, uh, um, an episode on this case and they actually interviewed um, Henry Lee Marshall. So you could check that out. I have it in the show notes. I can't remember what season and episode it was, but it'll be, it will be linked in the show notes. And if you would like to hear Henry Lee Marshall's side of the story. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens is Henry is a frequent stalker and harasser of George and Martha and their kids. I mean, their kids are in various ages at this point in time, but you know, they're not, they they are, excuse me, they are exposed to this. Well, what happens is George starts exchanging a series of verbal warnings to Henry to, to say, stay away from my woman, right? We got the peacock feathers up a bit. We prancing around strutting. Yes, just jumping up on cars, pooping on windshields. Yes, like they do. And just saying, this is my hen. Yeah. Go find your own. She's made it clear she's not with you anymore and we are back together. I understand. The verbal warnings didn't work. And this is where we don't condone violence, but I do understand how things can escalate. Many times I have seen situations that have turned violent where I said, well, that's illegal, but I get why. Yeah. I As a yeah. human, I have understanding. Uh, uh, even in my current position, I think that's something that a normal person should weigh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did it come to this? Exactly. What initiated that? And so what happens here is George and one of his sons actually get into a physical altercation with Henry, hoping to scare him off. Now, I tried very hard to find the age of the son because for me, as doing what I do for a living and what you do for a living, that piece, that little nougat of information, 
Did you drag your 15-year-old yeah. out to start a fight, buddy? Or, was or he is 19? he 18? Yeah. Yeah, is he an adult? Right. That makes a difference. It shouldn't. But it does in no, my it, brain. It does in terms of parenting, I believe. Right, right. And so, Or was it a situation where the son is just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And dad went with him. Yes, and Henry totally then went happened. with him. Totally could have happened. And if we don't George, have the information, then we're just kind of speculating. But right. And every source that I looked up, again, because we're – with the exception of that um, documentary, which isn't, I mean, it's a half an hour long, guys. They don't, there's only so much It's not giving in you all the info too. in the world. And yeah. there's commercials because, you know, money. Right, exactly. It's really only 12 minutes of information. Correct. The rest is just commercials. Right. And so um, the articles that I found on this just kept mentioning George's son. It did not, I couldn't get an age, which actually made me think perhaps he was a minor because he wasn't named yeah. or aged. Okay. So I'm like, all right, might have been a minor. Anyway. I'll just hope he was an older minor if he was yeah. one. Like 17. Oh, I'm thinking for sure. Like because you're, you're grasping at adulthood and possibly going to jail, but at the same time you're like, let's give this a shot. I'm a man. Well, I can tell you neither one of these men are... Super petite in stature. Okay. So, so I, some big fluffy polar bear, I dad bone, dad bod kind of men. Um, Henry, when he's older and is being interviewed, you know, he's more frail, right? But you can tell that he was probably pretty muscular back in the day. His mug shot. He's not a small dude. It's how my um, mug shots look too. Yeah, mine too, right? right. I, it, like easily, you can tell she was muscular at one point, but now she's kind of old and frail. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, the camera adds 10 pounds. It does, and not so, to the right places. No, no, exactly. Like, oh, God, she's 110 pounds. Except for, in her ass. Right, except for her, <laughs> the extra neck she has in that <laughs> picture. And I'm like, I don't have that many necks. We're, how? How are, how are we just growing necks? That's weird. Know. Yeah, so you can tell. I, I would think that with the son being part of a physical altercation, he had to have been an older child that felt he could maybe how hold his own. How do they seek own. this guy out? Or where do they seek him oh, out? Oh, they all live around each other. Don't you worry. Okay. So they know where each other lives. They do. They absolutely do. Now, shockingly, the act of violence against Henry does not deter him from wanting to be with Martha. I can see that. Okay. You do a lot of things for love. Well, and you know what he decides to do? He's going to plot him some revenge. Okay, so you guys assaulted me. I'm yep. going to return the favor. You came and kicked my ass to tell me to stay away from Martha and instead. And of, I will see your ass kicking and raise you one other violent right. offense. And what he raises him is trying to burn um, George and Martha's vehicles. I mean, arson's a big leap. Well, we just leapt. We he, leapt. And he leapt to the gun shop and got himself a gun. This is of concern as well. Do you want to know why he wanted to um, get a gun? Vehicles? Yes, I do. No, oh. <laughs> I'll get to the gun. Okay. But the burning the vehicles. So what what happens is that February 1983, uh, George and Martha decide that we've had enough and we're moving away from Tampa. Oh, so they were going to load up and leave. Yeah, they're so sick of this. So if he burns their vehicle down, she can't leave. They can't. Yeah, exactly. We got to keep her. Got to keep her here. Yeah, that wasn't even a revenge type of crime. That w While it may have been partially revengeful, that was also, I'm going to stop with my, this is obsessive. It is. He wants to keep her there. Yes, absolutely. Abusive. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so he tries to do that. He's caught in the act of trying to burn these vehicles. 
And once again, Henry and George exchange a, a physical altercation with one another. As to be expected, you try to burn my car down or my Jeep, I'm going to kick you real hard. We're going to throw bows, as you would say. Yes. Yes, I do say that. Yep. And we are. We are going to. Mine are little and pointy. They would hurt. But I think they would hurt and possibly knock an eye out. <laughs> so, a testicle, at least. Oh, for sure. Hide your testicles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I almost just said hide your testicles because Charnel's coming. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, uh, I like it though. I think you need a shirt. It's a Monday night. It is. After working like on a too. Monday and we sound like it. We, we do. do. So of course, of course, Megan, this just angers Henry Lee Marshall even more because he got his ass kicked and he didn't get to burn any vehicles. No, he got busted. He did. So he's decided, you know what, there's only one way that I'm going to be able to keep Martha for myself and, and keep her from leaving. And that's just, I'm going to have to kill George. Oh, no. Because nothing says I love you like the murder of one's partner. I don't mm-hmm. feel like he did a lot of research because... Google wasn't available in the 1983s. Yeah, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I feel like if you kill the person she told you she's decided to be with, she's not going to then with open arms say, well, he's dead now, might as well try this right. out. I have no other choice then. Must be I have to be with oh, you, Henry. Also, I'll totally forgive you for killing him. The father of my five children? Yeah, no. Sure. You know what this tells me? You know, the father of your five children could be the biggest egotistical asshole in the entire world and she could move on. And if it was me, I would still be upset if somebody killed the father of my children. Absolutely. Yes, because that affects I my children. I didn't want him anymore, but he, right. yeah, he's my children's Absolutely. dad. Absolutely. That affects my children and that is not okay. I know. Carry I know. on. Carry on. So here we are. It's uh, February 1983 and George Raymond O'Neill, who was 35 at the time, was sitting inside his car outside of what was called the Blue Note Bar um, that is on the corner of Nebraska and 3rd Avenue. Where and are we again? We're in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Blue Note the Bar Blue sounds Note familiar. Bar. Oh, okay. God. Well, you weren't there in 1983. No, if I was, that was terribly inappropriate parenting because I would have been <laughs> five. <laughs> right. Uh, your mom listens to this, too. So I know she's going, you weren't, Megan. No, but I know I But maybe later wasn't. in life. Yes. About 7 p.m., a man approached the car and began shooting George O'Neill with a 38 caliber handgun. Now, miraculously, George actually tried to escape. He shifted the car into reverse. It, I mean, Henry kept shooting, but he was at least, like, able to get it in, in reverse. He's trying to escape and he save was. his life. And then he actually fled from the car as, he, as uh, Henry kept shooting. He was wounded. George was wounded in the chest, the arm, and in the buttocks, which for me is the most, as you're trying to run away, I mean, he Forrest Gumped him, right? You're not going to bleed there. out usually from your Mm-mm. ass injury. but No, but he's running. But he's running. He's yeah. running. So I imagine that that had to have hurt like hell. And Aside him from da- the chest and, and arm, of course. Down. Yes, absolutely. He made it a half a block before collapsing. And this was so sad, Megan. He actually died in the arms of a stranger who was just passing by. Can he you ran imagine? right into the arms of a stranger. And you're out enjoying an evening walk or maybe even headed to the bar yourself to grab a drink. It's and a instead, f- a man dies in your arms. Yep. It's a February in Tampa, Florida. You're excited that the weather is only nice where you're at and it's crappy everywhere else. And here is this bleeding man 
who just dies in your arm. And he. And terrifying that he probably is evidently shot. So yes. a bleeding man dying in your arms who's clearly been shot. And you're laying there holding this guy, looking around, going, Jesus Christ, who am shot I next? At him. Yes, exactly. Who is the person still following him? Correct. Um, and, it, and it is very, it, it's, it's his arm, it's his chest. So yeah, he would be obvious, you know, obvious wounds. And this person, just described as a bystander, actually was was administering, you know, was like, not administering, excuse me, was ministering to him, was trying to soothe him, was trying to keep him alert. And miraculously enough, George was able to whisper Henry Lee Marshall's name before he died. Oh, God. So this person knew, you know, he, he gave that information to the police. Now, at this point, I'm sure it comes as no surprise when I tell you that Henry Lee Marshall fled, but the police have his name from the person, the innocent bystander here. And what's interesting to me is that Henry Marshall had had no prior criminal history up to this point. So you, either you've been off the police radar for this long, for about 35 years. Yeah. Or you just really escalated so much from no criminal history to murder? Obsession does crazy things to brains charnel that is how i started this case by letting you know it was obsession gone just completely wrong and it Mm -hmm. has to be and i think you've made it pretty clear from her attempts to end the relationship and how it's escalated this man could have had a completely crispy crispy (laughs) crispy cream crisp and clean is where i was going but crispy cream came out okay a crisp and clean do you have any donuts it sounds amazing right now okay yes sorry to make light of it right (laughs) But that's exactly what has happened here is he has had a break and I'm not saying that means he's incompetent, but he's had a break internally where he is involved in this obsessive love that he is not going to make normal, rational decisions, including other people's lives. Listen, Martha was on that documentary and she was a lovely woman. I could see why it would be hard to let her go. Uh, But this, this isn't okay, dude. Now, he... He decides he knows that he has to flee the Tampa area, okay? In 1983, it's a lot easier to do. Now, he's not having a problem giving her up now that he has to flee, is Isn't he? that interesting? Well, Weird we'll, how the save your ass syndrome kicks in. Kicks in. We, did you say cocks in? Kicks in. <laughs> now, he's talking like Wes when he says, like, car. He does, yeah, car. <laughs> it was my Boston accent, I apologize. I've never been to Boston, but it, gro- it grows on you. <laughs> <laughs> From afar. Yeah. <laughs> We're just one day you wake up with the Boston accent. That's right. Um, so he actually, interesting though, it does bring him back. We'll get to it. But he first goes to Dallas, Texas, where he gets himself a fake ID. So now he is no longer Henry Lee Marshall. He is now none other than Benny Thomas. Still two first names. Right? This is what I'm saying. Benny Thomas. He's Benny Thomas. We can't get away from those if you're if you're gonna try to change your name you should pick a less killery one i would think yeah yep so here he is henry lee marshall is now benny just benny thomas now one would think that being on the lam for first degree murder would make you not want to go back to the state that you were wanted in no this is usually the case yeah but henry's just not that bright megan or he needs to be near her he his obsession with her him missing his family. You and I both know him missing his family is absolutely second to him missing Martha. He is obsessed with stalking Martha. He is. 
1984, he goes back to Tampa and he's trying to make himself an honest living. All right. And at first it worked and he wasn't noticed, but being that close, he, he had to make contact with Martha. And so he does. He begins, like, how do you start this? Hey, this might be a little awkward. It's been a year, but are you over how I murdered the father, your lover and the father of your five children yet? Because if you are, like, I'm totally single and ready to mingle. No, I think that's probably exactly how this goes. The script is written that way in my head. And apparently Martha was not over it yet. No. Nope. She went ahead and contacted the police to let them know, hey, and Henry is scared is, to death. Yes, exactly. Think about that. He already, she saw how he is already capable of murdering someone, right? So what makes her stop? And she says that, like, she is living in fear this entire time. Because when you're dealing with an obsessive stalker in terms of that particular part of the power and control wheel, they are often homicidal with you. Mm-hmm. It becomes the, if I can't have you, no, no one, one else can. will. Yes. And and they will take you out. That's why victims die. Yes, exactly. And I just the fact that he's calling her up, like expecting her to invite him over for- The gall. Nookie and tea. The I gall. I mean, come on. What what are we doing here? That sh- that shows you so, where and, and my, It looks, it appears as if he's going to surrender his freedom so right. that he could have one last talk. Right. At least I'm hoping that's where we are. Well, not yet. Great. Because he he gets wind that the police have been tipped off, so now he flees to Atlanta. Okay? Okay. Because there's, there's no criminals there. None. Uh, no, Dallas and Atlanta are very small towns. <laughs> yes. No crime <laughs> Nope, no crime there. So in Atlanta, he gets a vehicle, and he, it's a van, and he starts- Is it in, white? Nope. It's actually- you actually know the color? I don't. I okay. shouldn't say that. I do. No, because I didn't ever see it written. I was being an asshole. No. I thought maybe you said like free hugs on the side of it or something. I was, uh, there is something on the side of it and we are going to get to that. It's like, you know, what are in my notes? You predicted him going back to Martha. Now, you know, there's something on the side of his van. It does not say free candy. It's not my first day. Or hot tacos. I know these offenders. They're all, oh, for sure. Uh, these, um. Every case is unique. I would never mean to generalize a victim or a survivor or even really the defendants in these cases because they're all unique in terms of their reasons and whatever. But they all have the same basic pattern when you're dealing with Mm -hmm. an obsessive offender and you tipped me off to begin with. Humans do. I mean, we are pretty. There are a lot of things that are pretty textbooks. And I'm I'm a human. And I also do human things. There's a whole DSM about how textbook human and, and the mental capacity of them really are and their textbook interactions when Mm -hmm. they're in a particular diagnosed state for sure what i was gonna say was i thought the van was maroon but then i realized i'm actually just making that up from the documentary not from actually seeing it in print because they showed a van van. and it was maroon yeah i don't know that that's what color it is okay did it say like dramatic reenactment at the bottom uh oh probably it better have um i'm sure otherwise it is just otherwise i will totally talk about a maroon van on the new case they'll be like it was white they'll be like well you should contact 2020 then because they didn't say dramatic reenactment at the bottom well and this we do know megan on the on the side of the van by the way let me tell you why he got the van a to live in it okay because it's you know cheaper well and because it's harder to find somebody who's mobile instead of establishing roots in like an apartment or a home definitely but he also had himself a shoe shine in business. 
That's how he's going to make an honest living. Shining some shoes. In the 80s? In, yeah, 1984. All those businessmen, CEOs, certainly. They go out on their lunch break, have themselves a cig and a shoe shine. Okay. Oh, it was hard to say, everybody. A cig and a shoe shine. A cig and a shoe shine. Two bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you know what he put on his van? It just said, shine. Oh, that's it? Yeah, and then he sat and he'd park at a corner on a curb, whatever. Should have said, I'll shine it for a quarter. Say shine. He got different clientele that way. Yeah. So it just said shine. He deserves it. And then That's true. And then he um, he would set up his little shoe shining box and he would just shine, shine some shoes. But he says in that documentary, but the events that are about to take place, he thinks is actually because he put shine on the side of his van and drew attention to himself. He lives that way for quite some time, and he thinks between police profiling, because I haven't mentioned it yet, but he's a black man. Oh, okay. And between so p- between police profiling and this sign that said shine on his van, um, one day in Atlanta, he got pulled over by the police, and they told him that the van was like driving erratically, but he claims he was not driving erratically. He thinks that it was that that he put himself on the radar with the shine and because he was black being profiled. It, it might be, that might be the case. That might be true. It really might be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But regardless, when they pull him over and they do search the van for drugs and there are no drugs, they see that Benny Thomas's ID, well, it was expired. Okay. Also it's fake, but they don't know that. Sure yet. is. They don't. Nope. It's expired. So they arrest him for the expired license. Now, he's pretty ticked off because he's thinking, I, you know, I bought this thing and they told me it was good for several years. He never actually looked at the expiration date. So poor old Benny Thomas. He's got himself arrested for an expired, li- driving on an expired license. I don't know if that would get you arrested today. No. But, but up until very did. recently, yes. Oh, so, okay. uh, bail reform legislation actually came through in Michigan. So side note, and it has mirrored many other states where certain misdemeanors are not any longer considered arrestable offenses. Instead, oh. they give you an appearance ticket and it's done as a summons and a complaint where you must appear in court at your date. Nice. And it's an automatic PR bond. Okay. And then I deal with them. If they don't show up, then they get arrested. Right. But this... Would not happen today. Then, um, yeah, they saw that he was committing a misdemeanor, and so they arrested him. Yes. And yes, you can they did. do that. Yes, they did. And, of course, at this point in time, Henry is thinking that he's toast because they know they're going to fingerprint him. Because right? he's a murderer? Right. They have, they, but the police don't know that yet. No. But he knows they're going to fingerprint me, and they're going to figure out that I am wanted for first-degree murder. And I'm not Benny. Right, and he is still telling them that he is. He's not saying nothing. You know I want to bust in a song right now, right? I know. Okay. I I know, so bad I can feel it in the air. Okay. (laughs) Um, So he spends the night in jail, and to his surprise, the next day they come and they tell him that he's free to go. Ooh, Mm -hmm. this is interesting. They told him to renew his license and that he's free to go. What, What they really think happened is that back in the 80s, the, the lag between getting the fingerprints to the FBI bought Benny some time. His name's Henry, but now he goes by Benny, so I'm calling him Benny. Mm. All right? Given his assumption that he believes he had committed the actual offense of driving while black. Right. It's, it's true. Yes. It is highly possible that if he was profiled. Yes. 
and they did not find any drugs, but they had searched him, that they arrest him on a minimal traffic violation to cover the arrest. We're talking about Atlanta in the 80s, y'all, okay? And then when they realized, this is kind of, we didn't find anything. We Mm -hmm. can't find any, you know, criminal activity that this black man committed, at least in front of us, so they let him go. Yeah. They gave, or they PR'd him. Yes. And then a legitimate thing might have been that he's sitting in there on a traffic offense and in downtown Atlanta, they're like, let the traffic offenders out on PR bonds, please, yes. because we don't have time to hold them. Have, it's fine. Let's move on. Well, I agree with you um, because interesting in the documentary, they were just like, well, you know, there was a lag of time between when the fingerprints got to the FBI. And I oh. was like, uh, yeah, but no. how long, how, how, do you really think they're holding somebody on like a really super stupid minimal traffic misdemeanor that they're going to be in a rush to get the fingerprints to the lab no. on this? No, no. They're just not, exactly. you guys. That's another reason why I think he was more so profiled than yeah. anything. They weren't, it wasn't a serious arrest. But so not he's going to say that. He's released because they clearly mm-hmm. don't know that he's yep. not Benny. Right. And at this point in time, he travels all over the United States living out of his van. And he would... Shine and shoes. Shine and shoes. He'd check in with his family back in Tampa from time to time. Who knows that he's wanted for murder? Sure do. Yeah. What lovely people. They are. They really are. He lives like this for nine years. Nine years? Nine years. Have you just taken us to 1990? 1992, my friend. It was a good year. Yeah. It was a great year, actually. I was, was listening to Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots, wearing uh, wide leg jeans and velvet shirts, midriffs. Yep. Yeah. I Sometimes know. a flannel and a white T-shirt if I wanted to pull out my inner Nirvana or some Pearl Jam. I was in second grade asking my sister to do my hair like Madonna. Oh, yeah. That's what I was doing. Perfect. So here he is in 90, 1992, and he's got to use a pay phone to call in, check in with his brother. Okay. And yes, I had the same thought, by the way, of like, hmm, seems like his family could be like, hey, he checked in with us again. Now he's in New York. Hey, he checked in with us again. Now he's in San Fran. Like, come don't on. Don't make yourself a fucking accessory. Yeah. And and we don't charge a ton with those anymore. But were the was law enforcement still consistently going to his family, keeping an eye on it? And oh, being yeah. Like, They're still actively on this Well, case. now you know what would happen. They'd freaking subpoena phone records and do search warrants for phone records to try to find this guy. Yeah. He's wanted for murder. Right. It's not like he, you know, robbed an ice cream store. No, no. And so what his brother tells him is, and this is 1992, he's like, you know what, mama's sick and dying. She had a couple of different ailments. But he, so just like that scene in Forrest Gump when Forrest learns his mama's dying and he jumps out of the shrimping boat. Yeah. This is what Henry does. He drove his white shoeshine van to right to Tampa. Sure did. Yep. He gets his in his van, drives right back to Tampa to care for his dying mother. And for a bit, things are fine. He's still shining shoes on the side. That is also hard to say. Still shining shoes on the side. And this is what I find lovely about the universe and the way that energy works, okay? Because one day, Megan, Henry Lee Marshall feels that he just needs one more day of shoe shining. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say he needed to see her one more time. Nope, no, no, no. He decides that he needs one more day of shoe shining and he would have enough saved up to leave again when mama passes. Okay? That's all it takes, one more day. So he's working downtown. Downtown. I I grew an accent too. Tampa? Downtown Tampa. This guy is not on the top of the IQ chart. No, no. I, I told you he was not the, the sharpest. Your Forrest Gump and 
Anal- a, lo- a lot of different analogy ways. Analogy is, is uh-huh. true. I may not be a smart man, Charnel. But I know what love is. It's not that. It's not. He knows it's what not. obsession it's is. It's not, Benny. So here he is. He gets this really weird feeling that he needs to move locations of his shoe shining yes. while he's working downtown. Yes. Trust that instinct, buddy. Well, this is where the universe is beautiful. Because he does. He moves himself. And... This is where the universe decided to have him while he's moving to his new location, carrying his little shoe shine box where he is spotted by no other than Martha Leathers herself. Hell yes, universe. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. He felt compelled. He thought he might be in danger. So he moves himself right into the line of sight. Don't you ever wish that somebody who had done you wrong just happens to walk themselves right up to you one of these days or by you so that you can say, hey, you, come back. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) This is karma putting us together once again. In our small town, it could happen. Oh, for sure. Tampa? No, but think about if there was somebody that had wronged you, like an ex-boyfriend from another town, and then all of a sudden he's walking by you in your hometown, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Wait, 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 wait. You think you're just going to walk on by? Thank you, universe, for dropping this opportunity in my lap. Yep. yep. And that's what happened. That is exactly what happened. Now, um... And I, as I said, Tampa's not small. So statistically no. speaking, this is pretty insane that this happened. Martha, Martha had been driving a friend to the bank, and she had just parked and got out of her car when she saw Henry Lee Marshall walking by the car. I mean, it was that divine of timing. She had just parked into a parking space right there on the street, Yes, and he was walking by. She, now, I will tell you, she was a little bit hysterical. She's been terrified of him no for kidding. nine years, okay? She immediately probably thinks he's following her or yes. stalking her. Yeah, absolutely. So she grabs her friend. They go into the bank, and um, she asks the bank teller to call 911. There is a murderer yes. on the loose. Yep. So um, Henry Lee had actually decided that the corner by the bank was a swell place to set up his shoe shining, especially because it was the lunch hour rush. Karma led him there, Sure did. Yes, yes, yes. The universe. Yep. And so, and he just needs a little bit more money so he can flee again. And it's funny that you say karma. It's actually written in my notes here. I wrote, I know y'all have heard of karma. It's just energy and what you put out comes back to you in various ways. Sometimes threefold, depending on what spirituality you practice. That's right. And this time, the karmic energy of killing George and fleeing came back to him by placing him in the right place at the right time to be identified just when he thought he was going to get away with it. The police do respond quickly. They surround him while he's shining shoes. They didn't pull up in cruisers with lights a blaring and giving him the opportunity to run again. Yeah. They surround him quietly from all angles. And actually, it was so quiet that he thinks he's going to explain all this away by being Benny Thomas. He's like, oh, no. He's oh, cool. that's not me. I'm nope. Benny. He's cool, calm, and collected. I'm a shoe-shining Benny from that's Atlanta, and here's my ID. Yep. Here actually, his ID is probably from Texas. Texas. Yep. Here I am, just a Benny Thomas from Texas, shining shoes in Atlanta, What a coincidence Florida. that I yep. look like this killer. He was so calm and cool about it they actually brought martha over shit to identify him until you take him to the station yeah well they didn't want to arrest an innocent man no exactly and good job tampa so they do bring martha is crying she absolutely positively identifies him as henry lee marshall and he is arrested right there on the spot for first degree murder charges good now 
It took a night in jail, but the jig was finally up, and they let him know that his fingerprints came back positively identifying him as Henry Lee Marshall, and he can drop the Benny, you know, Thomas malarkey. Benny, this is called roll tape. We're going to show you these fingerprints. This is not you. What's your real name? Yep. We already know. (laughs) But But we have to ask you anyway for the record. Yeah. Two months after his arrest, Mama passes away. Well, I'm sorry yeah. that Mama passed away. Yeah. She, you know, raised a murderer, but I don't know how much she had to do with how he actually True. turned out. I, he I came, know. he loved Mama enough to come home to say his goodbyes. He did. Yes. And he did miss his family that one time and well, come back. I think mm-hmm. when you're obsessive in general and have those connections. Right. You hang on to him. He, yeah. he does have an issue with hanging on to things. So just before he was about to go to trial for this, he actually suffered a really severe stroke himself. And it delayed his trial for over a year. However, he did finally have a trial. And in 1994, he was found guilty of first-degree murder of George O'Neill. And he was sentenced to life in prison. Okay. And he did, in fact, serve a life sentence because December 21st, 2021, he died in prison of undisclosed causes. Okay. I gave you closure. Like all the closure. I I never get to do that. I don't even know what to say now. Usually at this point, there's stuff about appeals that I need to talk about. And this murderer living on death row or living out his life sentence. And, you know, was he up for parole? And were there hearings? And instead you gave me God took him. God took him. Or someone did. Yes. And kept him. And kept him. It's not like the Anne Green case. Remember no. where she died, and then it's like, did she out? Did she already? She served her sentence. Yeah, it's she till did. death. She sure did, though. She died, and then she came back. So um, yeah, okay, yeah, no, I, the end. Now you know the rest of the story, and Holy I shit, love that Charnel. I got to bring closure. You did. All of a sudden, ah, my stomach is like justice worked. The butterflies left. It took nine years, and poor Martha and her children had to live in fear for nine years before they saw justice. Actually, live in fear for nine years had to. It was 12 years before they got the justice part. But, right, but at but least he was incarcerated, is. so they weren't living in fear. They knew where he was the last few years, uh, or a couple years when he was arrested, right? No, it was one, because he got arrested and then had to wait a year for trial, right? Because of the stroke? He had the stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he but at least, in, so yeah, she at least wasn't in fear then, assuming no. she knew he was locked up. Yeah. That survivor went through so much with her family in terms of the unknown. Mm-hmm. You guys just put yourself in that position where someone who's committed like the worst crime possible against your family is just still out there and we talk to survivors and families of victims all the time who feel that way just that pit of the stomach feeling when you go to sleep every night that somebody took away your loved ones and they're still there and they could come find you at any time or they could do it again well and think, i can't believe he hasn't committed on any other crimes i know him. and he it's because he was obsessed with, with her. her yes yes an obsession case for sure but think about something that I was thinking about too was imagine for nine years raising your five children and not knowing is he gonna come after one of them especially the one that got into a physical altercation with him how terrifying what an absolute terrifying way to live so I'm happy that justice happened in this case. He really did live out his life sentence. He did that documentary in I think like 2018 or did 19 he appear on the documentary? He did. Yeah, you did can he hear say him anything worth saying? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no, not at all. He and that's how Charnel feels about that part of the documentary. That's right. No, he, he really had nothing to offer. He didn't. He was excited to be talking to other people that have nothing to do with the prison. I think he felt a little bit like a celebrity being interviewed for this documentary. He didn't express any, um, you know, remorse. Oh, God, no. 
There is none of that. Okay. No, no, no. He was answering Didn't their questions. Didn't make any statements about how he was a violent, obsessed offender and no. he just couldn't get Martha out of his head. No. And no. Clearly and to be, uh, let's be fair. Maybe the show cut it out because, you know, it's only 12 minutes of content and then the rest of it's, con- con- you know, consumerism. With the ads. It's a 30-minute show. Fair enough. So maybe he did, and they just didn't care to so show Chanel that side of him. from this, got this part of the story and also a renewed interest in purchasing Scope mouthwash. Yes, yes. Um, Actually, it is a body odor thing that you Lume. can- Yeah, that you can put everywhere. You know, they show it. that like every two episodes. I have or, some. I mean, commercials. I will tell you that my personal review for Lume is that it does work, but it doesn't smell very good. I've heard that. It has a weird after order to it. And it has, you can get like original and like blood orange and lavender and rose or whatever. And they do smell like those things, but they also have a weird other smell to them. Hmm. Yeah, no thanks. But there, it was just, I happen to notice it lately. I, you know, I rarely watch TV. So I get, I'm even more perturbed by ads because they just annoy me. Do you find, and isn't it funny now that doing this, what I I fall asleep a lot. I know this is really terrible watching like crime stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll just put it on to fall asleep too. Mm -hmm. And if there's one that's really good, I'll wake up. I did one night have to run downstairs and grab the laptop so I could start taking notes during at like two o'clock in the morning. That's funny. I was tired. Yeah. I'm <laughs> the not, next I'm day. Not. Well, if I'm. I, I was d- afraid I couldn't find it again. Before we started recording, I think I told you, I happened to just turn. Listen, I was just turning the TV on for the dogs more than me because I was cleaning. And I, sure. got, I got sucked into it because I was listening to him talk without his teeth. And I was being, I was just like, what does this I'm ever got to say? Right. And then I got sucked into the story. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I've sat here long enough now. I think that I should look up some other things and get all the yes. details here and make a, make an episode out of it. And so here we are. This okay. is how this happened. We, I well, don't usually cover documentary stuff, but this no. one, you know, I thought was who, a good one. who is going to cover poor George O'Neill? No one. Right. No one. But I bet that, there's no podcast on George O'Neill. Right. He's got a, a he is worth remembering for crying out are, loud. Are you going to bathe us? Oh, I am. I am. From careeraddict.com. Oh. I'm going to bathe you. Okay. Because I typed in embarrassing work stories. I wanted to see what would come up. Okay. All right. As you would expect, and I bet this has happened to more people than just me, because it has definitely happened to me. <clears throat> I love you. No. I don't love you. For this anonymous and ashamed employee, a well-regretted phone call left her humiliated uh, at work. We've discussed this. Yep. After or a text or a phone call. It's the phone call usually. Yeah, because when you're saying goodbye. Okay, officer, I'll talk to you later. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. No, 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 no. Exactly. <laughs> don't tell my husband who works with you. He's probably sitting next to me. Right. Laughing. No, I've done it. How many of us have done that? Said accidentally said, I love you to our boss. Now, this is where it gets even worse. I think I just have like this feeling from this particular writer that this guy was probably like all business, no personality whatsoever, only has missionary sex. I know. Because, yeah. They're not my people, though. She said, oh, my God, I didn't mean that. I absolutely don't love you. I mean, I like working for you, but I know you're married. I'm married. I'm not flirting. So please don't report me to HR for harassment. And instead of saying, being a human and being like, no, I understand. He just hung up. (gasps) Like, give her something, man. It was a total accident. Like, don't be that guy that just hangs up. No, my life would be like, I would be obsessing about this. Oh, yeah. That is, that is so much worse. It hurts your stomach. The hanging up after over 
is worse than saying I love you and you just guys, if it you know someone who is an over explainer when they've done something, at least acknowledge it's okay. Yeah, that's all you have to say. I yep. realize this was an unintended statement you made. Yes, exactly. No that's worries. So much worse. But don't respond. I love you too, unless you do. Right. Unless you right. do. Yes. Which a lot of my coworkers, I do. So I, I get that. But yeah. how about this one? This one is a little quirky. We all have strange habits that make our daily lives much easier. But Anderson from Virginia, for example, likes to drive with no shoes on, which is fine and dandy until you realize you're driving to work. Oh, (laughs) but here's no shoes to put on when you get there. Yes. Yeah. See, I take my shoot my heels off to drive it. I'm currently wearing Uggs. Yes. Uh, with a three-piece suit. Yep. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Because it's much easier than driving in your heels, I would imagine. Especially, I do drive in my heels, but when the weather is iffy and I might run into any ice, I just err on the side of being Mrs. Rogers and right. I take my shoes off and my sweater and I change into my car driving clothes. For sure. Exactly. But apparently this gal doesn't take her shoes, like wear her shoes to the car, which she probably parks in a garage or something like that. Carry your shoes, lady. Oh, carry, nope, nope, nope. So she got to work and she is a, um, actually a psychotherapist and she had I to have work so many things all to day, say. all day, seeing her patients shaking their hands barefoot, which they never said a thing. I wouldn't either. No, me neither. Because I think God bless all of you who are my friends that do psychotherapy, but if I walked into my therapist's office and she was sitting there in her dress clothes, barefoot with her knees crossed up on her couch, I wouldn't even fucking think anything no, of no, it. No, no, me neither. Me but neither. you know what? If you walked into a lawyer's office and they were sitting there barefoot, I bet you wouldn't like it very much, would you? Or your doctor. Oh my God. You just put that into a amazing perspective. I would not be okay with a barefoot doctor. I know. Why is but that? But it's funny that with your therapist, she'd be like, eh, she's a little weird. I actually know lots of therapists I've worked with that I've sat in their office and they've kicked off their shoes before. Yes. You're so But right. as soon as you're wearing a white when, coat, when you kick off your shoes and take your coat off and unbutton the top button in your shirt, people get all on. And I'm in the stirrups. <laughs> yep. That's when I get uncomfortable. And then he says, why don't we both get a little bit more comfortable here? <laughs> And I say, well, I'm already in the stirrups. I don't think you can do that for me, but you have at it, sir. Oh, my God. You're right. You are absolutely right. Okay. Now, this one, I'm going to end us on the toilet blunder. I mean, it's happened to both of us before. We might as well. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. The world does know about my biggest toilet blunder, don't they now? Michael's. Yes. Yes. Yes, that is it. Thank you for reminding everyone. We've all been there. And if you haven't listened to this podcast long enough, you're really missing out. You are. All right. It says, ever been goofy and awkward in front of a handsome guy or girl? Absolutely. All the the time. On the daily. Yep. Just for the record, it does not matter whether you're married. If confronted Mm -mm. with some human that is ridiculously nice looking, you are going to have a weird adverse reaction. Every time. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually watch women do that with my husband. Really? Yes. You like to watch their like like jaws drop and whatever. I, they do have uh I'm you know just like they do a double take and then yes. they're staring at his stupid eyes and I mean I love him dearly but the eyes man people have to mention his you eyes are all the so, time they are very pretty they are you're so sweet because I was just being narcissistic I'm like yeah I see men drop their jaws at me all the time <laughs> <laughs> for 
for real it does it does i'm kidding but i do often get um it it not so much as oh my god you're so gorgeous but more along the lines of oh you weren't what i expected we talked about this with my position anyway like especially in the summer and i take my blazer off and i'm wearing just a shell or a tank top because what do i have that a lot of judges don't the tattoos a lot of tattoos gorgeous so Mm -hmm. yeah here i am covered in tattoos wearing a rock band t-shirt that i had under underneath my blazer and robe and they're like oh oh Oh, you're the person I need to talk to about bond. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, Mr. And Attorney from Detroit. You don't. Ju- Wearing your $7,000 three-piece suit. Right. And this is why we don't judge a book by its cover. No, no. Sure. You should read me from front to back. But this, this I could, you actually. Could. This particular person apparently gets very awkward during when when confronted with a handsome guy or girl okay all right um and so she starts this new office job and um she said she writes uh from blushing and stuttering every time this this her new boss spoke to her she was saying like yes in a high-pitched tone or just being totally awkward okay it's her first day she's sweating every time he you know comes near her just when when she thinks things can't get worse she goes to the restroom, she opens the door, and inside, doing a very evil-smelling number two, was none other than her handsome boss, red-faced, at the sight of her seeing him. Oh, my God. She walked into the wrong bathroom. Oh, my God. And he, but he didn't have it locked. Apparently not. <gasps> Apparently not. Could you imagine have, being so nervous all day about this good-looking guy talking to you and you know that you're effing it up and every time? And you walk time. in and taking a shit? <laughs> I just, no. How do you ever look at each other in the face again? Never. You never do. You don't. Or it's one of those situations where they're married 10 years later. You know, it could go either way. This is possible. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. That I mean, I don't know that you feel any cleaner after that story or all those stories. I don't. So nothing like that has happened to me. Um, no. The only thing that has happened to me was that I was very new to a job and I went into the women's restroom and heard my boss doing, having what I can only imagine were, were terrible stomach problems. Yes. And I just pretended like it. I was you never in to there. when you're in a public restroom, right? Because yeah. no, you don't want to be in there if you're having that. So that I could sympathize with. I, sure. I think you can as well. Yep. Sure based can. Based off of previous story. But okay. yeah, no, um. But never this, like, uh, walking in on another, I've never walked in to the wrong bathroom. I say that now. <laughs> Stay tuned. It'll happen now that I've put it out there, everybody. I, I, I once had a, a I'm just going to go with a coworker. I'm not even going to say at what job this was. But suffice it to say that um, I work with law enforcement yeah. on a regular basis in every job I've had mm-hmm. as an adult. And in one of these employments, a police officer came in, and it was a duo and uh, both of them were incredibly good looking, but one of them was so good looking that it would be one of those situations where one might have a hard time talking to them. Okay. okay. And Officer Cutie Pie. When this, right. Mm-hmm. And when this person the, would come in, all of a sudden my area of my office would become very popular with people needing, oh, I bet. needing things. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the females who's pretty outspoken, but not enough to be outspoken in front of him. Like she would turn red and stuff. If mm-hmm. she was around him, she would usually wait until he left then to say something. Well, they had been in my office for a, a legal reason and then had presumably left. And she came up to my office door and walked in 
just enough that she said, oh my God, every time he comes in, I need to go home and change my panties. No! As he appeared behind her, also red-faced and said, uh, thanks for signing that for me. I'll see you soon. And left and her, fa- everything melted. I lo- I watched her actual eyeballs melt off her face onto I the ground. I would rather shit in public <laughs> where people could see me than make that statement and have the person hear me. I don't know. That one is, I that don't w- know. That one's, yep. It's, it was, it was one of my favorite moments because it didn't happen to me. Right. <laughs> Because those are statements we have made before. It could easily happen to us if you're not careful of your surroundings. Absolutely. Oh, no. I love that. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today and for listening. We just really, really appreciate it. And um, if you would like more of us, join Patreon. The link is in the show notes. um, Or you can Google it. We have it on our website. Our faces are there, too. We're going to get an updated... um, picture at our kappa ball child abuse prevention we and awareness if we ball. can find one that makes me look slim you know we'll get a good one okay You're, you always are looking <laughs> gorgeous thank but, you um if for local listeners if you would like to come to the charity event there are a few tickets left mm-hmm. so but child abuse prevention and awareness near and dear to my heart i've been doing this ball for and this is the eighth year it's actually the ninth year but covid fucked up one of them and yeah so but i'm also really excited to get it over with I bet. Because I'm exhausted. I know. It's exhausting it, to me. It is, but it's a lovely time. And so if you're local and wondering about it, come join us, have fun, say hi, all that. All right. And until next time, everybody, we hope that you keep listening. Keep it curious. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.